listening to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to Work Life Flow episode 33. Today's guest, Beth Rowles, is a conscious relationship coach who helps driven moms use their marriage as a feedback loop to create more of the relationships they want in their lives in a real and authentic way. She helps women create the relationship they want without leaving the one they're in, using her proven system, the quantum love journey. She's the author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. You can find her at happilyeveraftercoach.com. So join me in welcoming Beth Rawls. Hi, Beth. Thanks for coming on today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show too, because I think that marriage and the relationship is oftentimes one of our biggest struggles because we can't really or we don't really know how to voice our needs and how to to reconnect after kids and so I'm really excited for your point of view on this as always in the beginning I ask my guests to maybe share a little bit about their journey and what brought you to the work you do now and you know anything else you would like to add that I might not have mentioned in the bio Sure. So I had my first child in 2014, and I was really obsessed with being a very good parent. I knew I wanted to parent differently than my parents had, and I didn't know exactly what that meant. And then I found conscious parenting, saw Dr. Shafali Sabari on Oprah, and her message really resonated that I needed to heal from my own childhood. So I went past that on to my kids. And then I could see how my parents had kind of done that to me and understand, you know, it wasn't a blame thing or anything. I just needed to um, kind of end those generational patterns from from repeating. So I learned conscious parenting, went through a certification program to be a conscious parenting coach. And, you know, I still had babies at the time, so they weren't triggering me or causing me problems. But my husband was driving me nuts because he wasn't helping me. And I felt very alone and like he was so lazy or grumpy or uninvolved. I was really in fear that he wasn't going to be the dad that I wanted them to have. And then things got bad enough that it seemed like we were headed towards divorce. And we had talked about divorce a little bit. My parents divorced, so I was absolutely determined not to do that. I knew how traumatic it was, how much it affected my whole life, and I did not want that to happen. So I was completely committed to figuring out what was going on and making it work. And that's when I realized that everything I learned in conscious parenting, I could apply to my relationship with him. And when we had disagreements or I felt like he was lazy or he was grumpy, that I could understand my role in the situation and what was coming up for me and take ownership over that because I can control myself, but I can't control him. And that's when I discovered that I had created this by being such a like strong, independent woman. I had taken on all the duties myself before we had kids. So the pattern was no different. Just now I was overwhelmed and couldn't handle the load. 
and I didn't know what to do. So, so I defaulted to patterns that I learned and I criticized him and, um, was very cold and detached and just passive aggressive and angry all the time, which made him shut down even more and made it worse. So I had no idea how to change things until I realized that he was just mirroring so much for me and I had to alter the way I asked for things, alter the way my energy was in the room, change the way I was treating him, and also understand how to meet my needs and how to express when I needed his help in a way that wasn't like barking orders or commanding that he do things, that he wasn't, I was not the drill sergeant. I had to find a way to be a leader that worked with his strengths and found the best in him. So it was quite a journey and <laughs> things are great today. It saved our marriage. We're very happy. And uh, I love to do this work with other moms who are just like me and, and think that, you know, they can boss around people who aren't serving them. Basically, there's like another way to connect with him and get what we need. Yeah. A, a question I often get is because you mentioned the load. <laughs> And I know we often talk about the mental load, but there's also this physical load that we actually carry um, oftentimes, especially if we turn into stay-at-home moms for a while or work part-time or something like that. We often carry the load of doing the, the whole household thing. And so one question I often get from listeners is, how do I get my partner to pitch in? So do you have any, any advice for that? Yeah, I think it's like a unique journey for everybody because where we're at now is not where I thought we would have been. I used to be an engineer. I worked full time and I was quite busy. And so at that point when I was working, the way that we came down to it was like we had to understand what he wanted to do and what I wanted to do in the house. Like not every person is going to like the chores of daily life. Or I think often we like stereotype that men will take care of the cars and the lawn and, and do all these manly things. And maybe they don't even like doing that. So then that falls on us too. And then we resent them, but you have to understand like who your husband is and what he enjoys doing and have a discussion about it. And we ended up like outsourcing cleaning and stuff at that time because we had the income to pay for it. Now we're in a different place where I'm basically more, I mean, a coach and do that. And it's pretty much a full-time job, but he found a different job. He kept moving up until he could pay for more bills. And I had more time and freedom to do the things that, that I didn't have time for before. But that's what worked for us. It's like, if you if you don't want to do this and help around the house, then you need to make it so that I'm not pressured to bring in as much money as you or something, or we need to pay somebody else to do it. Just working towards our strengths. And that may not be practical for everybody. So, so the very first thing is for me to understand that what I see that needs to be done, he may have no awareness of all the things that need to be done. And so rather than just saying, help me with this, help me with this, what I've discovered is that men work best when they have a problem to solve. So they don't work well if we give them the solution and demand that they do it. But if we say, I'm overwhelmed because X, Y, and Z need to be done and just stop there, 
That gives the man a problem to solve. His mind goes into gear and he is here to serve. He wants to help us and he will do what he can. And sometimes you may need to say, okay, what can we do about it? But usually I found once I lay out the problem, he's very willing to solve it. But if I just say, go put the dishes away and mow the lawn or whatever, then he feels he kind of shuts down and sort of rebels against that because it doesn't work to the way his mind works, which is problem, solve it, problem, solve it. He needs to have the ability to figure out what that is. I mean, what I hear you say, I heard you say a couple of things that really resonate with me and, and that I'm trying to bring to my clients. One is to take into account the personality type. Like what do they like? What do they lean towards? And then the second you said, present them with a problem. And I think this is something that if you do positive parenting, for example, or conscious parenting, you're very used to doing with your kids. But we forget that we can use those tools <laughs> with everybody, really, because if you think about it, nobody wants to be told what to do. And so what, what I like to do, for example, one of my tools that I try to integrate in families are those family meetings, because it's a dedicated time where you can do problem solving or you, when you, where you can split up your, your workload. And when I talk about chores, I, I like to see it in a way that almost like a scavenger hunt, <laughs> like go through the house, see what you notice, what things have to be done. And so everybody does that and then they come back and then you make a list of the tasks that you find and then everybody can rate how often do you think they need to be done. And like you said, for example, you can find something that nobody wants to take on afterwards and see, can we outsource that? Like you did cleaning. I really loved it when I had cleaners um, before the pandemic and then they couldn't come anymore. <laughs> but oftentimes I think we want to have everything perfectly. And as moms, sometimes we are the ones hindering progress or hindering others to actually help because we want it done in a certain way, or we think we're the only ones who know how to. So yeah, absolutely. I think we have to take into consideration who we work with, what they like to do, and give them opportunities to help. Absolutely. What you just said is key that, um, you know, I wanted him to do things my way and then would be critical. So then he would just give up on helping. And I see women do that all the time, that it has to be done their way. So we have to be more accepting that the, the way they're going to do it might not be the way we would have done it, but it got done. And, you know, just keep encouraging growth in that, but not be <laughs> critical the way they get a task done. It's hard at first for some. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've caught myself reorganizing the dishwasher, which is like, <laughs> why would I even do that? Why would I shuffle some plates to get one more plate in? Yeah, yeah. but I've been there. <laughs> so what I would like to see maybe if you could share what a, a day or a week in your home looks like and sort of let us in a little bit into your life, how you can find or how did you create a work-life integration that works for you? Mm. Uh, that's a good question right now because what I'm discovering with, um, with the pandemic and my kids are younger, so they've been in and out of school, getting ready for school to end here. And every time I think that I have a plan, it changes. <laughs> so I've really had to discover 
what is most important and do those things first and then fill in the rest. And as I did that, I've put a lot of weight to how much time our family spends together. So right now we're kind of in a strange boat because my husband works third shift. So I work during the day and I'm with the kids and then he wakes up at 4 p.m. and we have dinner and do activities and family time. And then he's off to work and we're getting the kids to bed. So right now when he's up, it's mostly just fun and games for for the most part, unless there's a few things that he needs to do. But that's what works for us right now because of the way that he's bringing in the income. And he feels strongly that that's his contribution right now, which is fine with me, less pressure on me to definitely don't have to go sit in office every day. I can do what I love. I'm so passionate about this. So I know that right now, a lot of it's on my shoulders, but when there's something I do need from him or the family, we talk about what needs to be done, what the problems are, kind of like you said, we check on what's going on in the house. We have just four boundaries in our house, and one of them is cleaning up after ourselves and respect for our things. So that's the one that we do with kids and they know that they have to clean up after themselves before we can go do the fun thing or, or whatever's coming next. We always stop and do project cleanup and clean up after ourselves. But that's about it right now. There's no set formula or anything. We plan the best we can and we mostly just stay in the flow of what's happening and try to make time for those priorities. I've definitely had to learn how to have a boundary around my space and know that I can set my kids up with things they can do. We say, um, what I'll do is say, you know, mommy has to do this project for the next couple of hours. What would you like to do while I'm doing that? And they make a plan and they feel safe in that plan. And then they know that when lunchtime comes, we're going to get together and have lunch and then we're going to go to the park or whatever. But helping them not feel like there's no routine or anything has been really important so that they can give me a little bit of space for me and then still feel like I care about them and I'm going to be there to take care of them for all their needs and make sure those are met. Yeah, it's it's been definitely the pandemic has, has brought a lot of shifts and uncertainty and, and I feel for everybody. I have our kids, we homeschool. So we have them at home with us anyways. We used to be in a two-day program, but but we decided to pull them out once they went remote. So we could set our own routines a little more consistently. And I really feel for the families that had like no plan. And, and from one week to the other, the plans changed again. And, and you had to work around school pickup and drop-off. And then suddenly you had them at home for two weeks. So I think it was a really, really tough year for families. And I think the word of this year or last year or the pandemic, yeah, it's more or less a year now, is basically resilience. It's it's shown us that we have to be resilient, that we have to go with the flow, like you said, and be open to change, however hard it is for our brain to work around. But having consistent routines and bringing in like known, the known into the unknown is is really calming our mind. Absolutely, that's that's super important. So, one question I have: since you you work with relationships, I heard you say that right now you work during the day, you also have the kids, and then your husband works at night. And I feel this was one of the biggest challenges for our relationship, my husband and I, this year. 
that we really had to do this shift parenting and shift work. I mean, I can say, you know, I have still to be grateful that we actually had the opportunity to both work and to both do what we wanted to do. But it was really difficult because we hardly had time where we could spend it as a family together. Um, usually it was me that I, I took it out of my work chunk. So we had a weekend because usually I was working. Our our system was I was working Saturday, Sunday, and he would work Monday through Friday. And I did a little bit of early early morning work during the week. That That was it. But it made it really difficult to have like a whole day as a family day. And, and so how do you handle that? Uh, yeah. So I actually, uh, <laughs> what sealed the deal, what, what made me leave my job as an engineer was when they wanted us to start working weekends. At that time, my husband worked during the day and that was our time together. And we both hold that family time really sacred. And in fact, he chose this third shift job because it gave him the most time with the kids and with the family. And if you think about it, he's really, I mean, we get him up between three and four. And then as soon as they go to sleep is when he leaves. So he's basically there for their, you know, whole afternoon, but more than he would if he worked till five and had the commute and everything. But we hold that really sacred. And then the weekends, I actually have more time on the weekends now because he is asleep. I do take advantage and sometimes we'll work a little bit on the weekends, mostly just my weekly planning and stuff. But then if he gets up or we want to go do something, we do that because it's really important for us to have that time together with the kids. And he, honestly, that was something that he had to teach me because he really pushed back if I wanted to work. And he said, you know, no, this is our family time. We need to be together. So then it's just been a reminder to him every now and then that if we want to have that family time, then I also need the time to work. So some nights, some days I'll have a call or client call or something and I'll say, you need to take the kids tonight. Um, and that's good because he also needs time alone with the kids as well. But we have enough time where we come together in the week. And I, I don't really know what the answer to that is other than we hold that really sacred. And uh, you talked about shift parenting. That's actually what my parents did. I was homeschooled. And my mom worked as a nurse second shift. My dad worked during the day. So we were like with him at night and then her during the day. And she never got time for herself and they never got time for each other. And that was a major contributing factor in their divorce was my dad felt like there was nothing there. They just never spent time together. So if I if I could go back and give them advice when I was young, I would say, you guys got to take care of each of you. And you have to change whatever you need to change to come together because these experiences and, and homeschooling and stuff, for me, from my perspective as a child, was not as important as our family unit being together. In my opinion, we could have like lived in a tent, but as a family, then it would have been supportive. You know, we didn't need all those experiences. We didn't need the obsession over the perfect education and stuff, those things didn't matter as much as our family being together and spending time together and loving each other. So I think each family needs to look at it. And if they aren't getting enough, then they need to be willing to surrender to a new normal and figure out how they can have that time together and for themselves. They each need their own time for self-care. And I think we need that time together to connect. 
especially as a family. Yeah. I just had another interview um, last week and it was a dad. (laughs) And so he also said that for him, it's super important to model the healthy relationship between him and his wife. And it is so true. Like as a mom, you often, you know, you, you know, you have such a, not a needy baby, but babies need you a lot. Right. And so you pour yourself into it. And over time, you kind of, it's easy or it's, it happens that you forget about taking care of the other relationships in your life. And it can, it might not even, not only be your husband, it might be your friends as well, right? Because you're so needed. And so it made me think a lot because my husband and I, that that's what we are working on right now. How do we create more time to, for ourselves or to, um, to spend together? Because family time is not difficult for us to spend. We're a homeschooling family, so we spend quite a lot of time together and we do some, yeah. The way we learn is, is with experiences and stuff. So I, I think that's that we have got down. But it's the relationship between my husband and I that has been suffering over time through maybe attachment parenting, you know, everything that I poured into the relationship with my kids. Because like you, I wanted to do it differently than, than I was brought up. And now I realize that I we now this time my kids are getting a little older, so now we have the time. They don't need us so much anymore to really work on our relationship. Do you have any tips on how to connect or how to reconnect when you you know because you said you were at the point of talking about divorce, and I I hear a lot of moms that are at that stage. They are really at that stage. Should I stay or should I go? If they don't want to, if they know that there is something, if they know that, you know, they they met their partner, they had been partners like years before, there is something between these people, right? There is something that's worth working for. How do you help your clients see that? How do you, is is there any like process you have? Yeah, this is so good. So I heard two questions for me, really, like, how do they want to stay together? And then how do you find time to connect? And one point to that is I think it is important to acknowledge the season of life that you're in. And, you know, my kids are five and seven now. And when they were two and zero, it was my whole world was them you know, and it was very hard and he felt very neglected. And if I had it to do over, first of all, I would have given myself permission to leave for an hour to go have a date night with him. And I would have known that my kids would have been better for it and not worse for it, you know, because I had this idea that only I could take care of them the way they needed and nobody would be able to meet their needs and they would just suffer and die if I was gone for an hour. And I didn't give him any of that time. And perhaps if I had, and we could have had focused, uninterrupted time to connect, then he would have supported me even more and been more involved in the family. So to people who are in that stage of life, I think the first thing we need to do as moms is give ourselves permission to walk away from the kids and know that they are okay and that it is good for them. People do it every day to go to work, but they won't do it to go on date night because they feel like I didn't get to see them at all. And that's that's a problem with our society and our culture right now that we could talk about at length, that the whole nine to five every day is not great for families. But, um, you know, it is really critical to give yourself that 
opportunity to be supported. And I think the problem comes in when we never get time for ourselves. When we, if we were to have an hour, we don't want to <laughs> spend it with him. You know, we really feel that depletion from all the stuff that we've had to do. So first of all, you know, in my book, I write th- your very first priority needs to be you and you have to take time to take care of you and then your kids because they depend on you and then your husband, but he is still up there in priorities and nurturing that relationship is healthier for the kids and stronger for them. There's so many studies that show that children of divorced parents do not fare well. They not only are emotionally traumatized, but they lose the whole social network that the two parents create for them of support. And then they go into adulthood and don't have that model for healthy relationship. So they themselves are not supported in healthy relationship and they divorce or have um, abusive partners or, or are completely single because they're like, there's no way I'm going to do this. So it's best for our kids from that aspect. And it's also important because if we divorce the parent, then we are saying, you know, our kids are like 50% us and 50% our husband to some extent. There's some mix of both of us in them. And if we divorce the spouse and we kind of tell them in a subconscious way that part of who they are is unacceptable and we can't work with that part of who they are and they should suppress that and change that. And I think being willing to accept your spouse exactly how they are and find a way to come together and connect with them is critical for the child to fully come into acceptance of themselves and to know that they also are lovable in the world and that they can have healthy relationships too. So I think that matters. And then the how to reconnect. Okay. And when you don't want to, this one's tricky. What I had to learn was that... The way he was being was a reflection of me and my love for myself and my fear. For me, it was fear about the relationship itself. Like everything was another tick in the box that it wasn't going to work and we were going to get divorced. So if he was grumpy, it was like, there's more evidence that we need to get divorced. So he would just mirror that back to me and we'd continue to have friction because I was critical and passive aggressive and rude to him and shut down and cold. And there was no love in my heart when he even entered the room. So it created absolutely more of what I didn't want. And if you think about when you date somebody new way back when, you know, we always saw the best in them to the point where back then we ignored anything else. But when you can look at your husband and see the best in him, then that's what you grow in him. And then he is the person that you want. But it takes a complete responsibility for ourselves first, for how we feel about the situation, for the fear that we have in our heart, for the love that we have in our heart, for the care that we give ourselves, for our um, even our idea and confidence in our worth, that we can trust ourselves to hold boundaries, to be respected, to be loved and still be loving, that we don't have to shut down and be cold and disconnected from them to get the love we want, to be protected and safe. We have to trust ourselves. That's why I say like you can create the relationship you want without leaving the one you're in because who we are matters so much. There's so much that we have control over in that relationship because we so are so inter, you know, entwined and 
and affect each other so much. They match our energy. If we come in the room cold and frustrated with them, then that's what we get with them. If we walk in the room and we're full of love, no matter how they're being, eventually they rise up to that level, to that love. And then we get what we want. So for me, it was more like, if I leave him now, I have to go do this over again with somebody new. Because all the things that I need to learn are still there. I haven't changed anything. I haven't healed anything. So no matter who I attract, at first it's going to be great because that's what the ego does. And then it's going to be the same thing. Plus, financially in every other way, my life will be torn apart from separating our marriage. And my children will be suffering. And they'll add a whole new layer of pain to my life because they're in so much pain. So I've got him, as long as he's not abusive or doing some very toxic behavior, I can take control of this and see what's here for me and how I can change the way I come to the room. I don't know if that answers your question. For me, it was more like the alternative is so much worse than just trying to make this work that, okay, that's it. I'm going to forgive him and see that he's here to help me grow. And honestly, after the first time that I saw even one lesson that he was here to teach me, even just the lesson to take care of myself first and to acknowledge that I have needs and have a right to make sure they're met on my own and not depend on other people and that I'm in control of the life we have. Like a very simple example was he doesn't like sand and never wanted to go to the beach. So I'd sit home and be really frustrated that we never went to the beach. We always do what he wants to do. So finally I said, screw this. I'm going to go make a beach day. I'm going to take my family to the beach and he doesn't have to come, but I want to do it. So we went and he was like, where are you going? (laughs) What are you doing? And then he wanted to come. And I said, you don't have to come because you don't like it. And he's like, no, it's not that bad. I'll go. And then he had a lot of fun because our kids are playing in the waves and stuff. It was my decision to no longer do what he wanted to do and be resentful, but just to take charge of my life. And like you teach, be the leader of my own life and create what I want and know that I'm not at his mercy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's so important to have those boundaries, like to learn what your boundaries are, because I think some of us, we, we, we have lost touch with, or we've never really learned how to set boundaries. I totally can relate with the, the beach story. <laughs> I used to be resentful of my work time not being respected because I'm not the main breadwinner. So, you know, I, I, in my, in my mind, I was <laughs> telling the stories that it's not appreciated. I'm not valued. <laughs> So all those got triggered in me, but in reality, it was me. I I did not say, hey, no, this is important to me. And these are the hours that I'm going to work. And you can take care of the kids or we can get a babysitter. But this is something I need and I want. Because eventually, if I didn't speak up and I didn't do that, I would feel so resentful. Like you said, I could, I can be passive aggressive too, or, or shut down and it doesn't make sense because that's so much worse on the relationship than saying what you need and maybe having a difficult conversation at that moment than to carry it forward. And then you're, you know, it's adding on and it's adding on. And in your mind, you're making the story so much bigger than it really is. So yeah, I, I think I can totally relate with your story. 
Yeah, it's important. Yeah. It takes so much courage to hold those boundaries. That's really the biggest thing. Are you more afraid of living a miserable life or are you more afraid of maybe having him be irritated for an hour because you held a boundary? Courage. <laughs> that's that's the word, courage. Okay, so I think you've brought a lot of really, really interesting points here and actually helpful tips and tools too. Would you like to share where my listeners could find out more about you? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to talk with them. I have lots of things to offer. If they go to happilyeveraftercoach.com, they can download um, 30 texts to send your husband to get more help. So kind of what we started off with, that idea of pointing out the problem, those texts will help you see how to do that. And, and you can either say them or send them as an actual text message. But that will help you just uh, start to see what it looks like to point out the problem instead of, you know, making a demand. And I also have a book, of course, The Authentic Wife, but I have another one called Love Him Again, which helps you see how this process works and that it is possible to change the relationship through your own behavior. And then, of course, I also coach people through my program. It's called The Quantum Love Journey. This is the actual way that we use the relationship to grow and, and create what we want. So I'd love to talk to you. Perfect. I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes. So it's easy to find for my audience. And I would like to thank you again for taking the time and having this interview with me. Thank you so much, Beth. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work Life Flow. As always, you can find all links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the four must-have checklists for kids so you can sit back and relax while they are getting ready on their own at kerstinkirchsteiger.com. That is www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.